All right, welcome back to the big program. Is that Shenandoah Duke? One and only. Yeah, that's one of your top handful. Uh, oh, yeah. Brooks and Dunn, Shenandoah. I'm looking forward to having Leonard Skinner on tomorrow. Leonard. <laughs> Leonard. Leonard Skinner. That's a good documentary. There's, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a plane crash with that band. Uh, you know, I don't know what year it was, but really good documentary. There's a few of the old, old ones that from the older bands that are really good documentaries with the band, the band, and uh, Leonard Skinner, and some really good ones with, oh man, Fleetwood Mac. There's. Did you ever, have you seen that Daisy Jones and the Six, Duke? A lot of people talk about that one. I have not seen it, no. It's a, I think it's a six-parter, and it's kind of a loosely documented off of Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, and uh, pretty good pretty good documentary. Uh, lots of, I mean, I can't even count the text coming in. Uh, CJ in Edmonton, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Please tell Laddie he is straight gold. He took the time to have a small conversation with me when I was a kid. That was such a highlight for me. Uh, we all called him Steady Schmied. He was a favorite in our household. Steady Schmied. Steady Schmied. I like yeah. that. I I can't remember. Remember we were talking about, because uh, Laddie's doing the rise and grind with all the kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that someone texted in and said, Suc- uh, succeed with Schmied. Yeah, there That's you a, go. <laughs> that was a good, I mean, that was a pretty good, you know, when you're doing a moniker for something like that. That was pretty good, pretty good alliteration uh, and rhyming the whole bit. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Hmm. Randy goes. Uh, uh, McLeod Fogel and Holloway skate around a hundred miles an hour without accomplishing much. Well, they have a lot of speed. They do. I wouldn't say accomplish nothing. They're still. There's elements to their game when you watch, and, and let's go McLeod, for instance. Last night he had the puck uh, in the second period, and he had a pretty good head of steam, and he had the ability to go around, and he's on, his, he's on the left wing, so he's coming down, which is harder, way harder to do than you, if you're a left-handed shot coming down uh, your off wing. You have the ability to drive to the net much easier than you do uh, coming around on your forehand, just the way it is because you have that leverage. He had the ability to drive to the net a little bit more than what he did, and we've seen that a lot with Ryan McLeod. When he goes hard to the net... He is a force, all but it's hard, and and you're gonna take it's it's you you have to throw fear, uh, you have to throw caution in the wind. You have to go. I'm gonna go no matter what. You know what? Even if you look at last night, and Leon had a, had one of those too. He went hard into Bennington, and Zach Hyman went hard into Bennington as well. I guess Le, Leon's done that a couple times in the last few games. If you can drive hard to the net, man, and as Connor McDavid said in his interview. That's where all the goals are. That's where all the goals are. Look at the goal that Hyman scored right off the hop. Power play, right? He's right in front, right in front. Quick pass and in. Nail says, learning language with Vla- with Laddie. Um, he also goes, and this is your cousin too, uh, CC nurse are fine until they aren't. Then it, then it shows. Usually they both make half a play. It looks horrible, but the other 58 minutes of their game is as good as any pairing that play the tough minutes. And again, this is a situational and um, area where CC is playing with Nurse and against the top top lines of the other team. 
all teams have holes when you're putting a roster together. When you have roster construction with X amount of uh, dollars going to this player and that player, and when you have to combine that, it's tough. Look at next year. I mean, Vinny DeHarnay's going to get. He's going to double his salary and then some. It, it is tough when you're putting all these uh, together. Oh, hey, the hammer comes in. Look at this, hey, Duke. The only reason Laddie didn't run the hammer through the boards is because he knew the consequences. Yeah. Look at the hammer waiting for Laddie to get off the air. Can't defend himself. Ah. Oh, look at this. A very nice comment. Uh, I have to say that the morning show with Kevin is so much fun. It's better than the the old show on 1260. Wow. Appreciate that. Great work, Kevin. Thursday with Schmied being the best. Thanks for the comment. Uh, Brian, this is Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show is awesome. As Skinner, Leonard Skinner did about six huge hits. Duke, you got it. This is a big deal for you tomorrow to get the proper Leonard Skinner song on. Or maybe there'll be two. Maybe Eddie That'll likes That'll do all my research tonight is yeah. down into the deep dive, some deep cuts of Leonard Skinner. Leonard, yeah. And seeing which uh, which one will make the cut. Um, we've got Rock Kubatko coming on, and I believe it's Rock, right? Even though it's a CH, Rock. I believe so. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll make sure yeah. to confirm rock. with them when I uh, give them a ringling here. Well, you can smell what the Rock is cooking, eh? <laughs> <laughs> with, with what's happening with the ball. You know, the Orioles have a team where, you know, they picked up Corbin Burns, Duke. Their pitching staff is, I would say their starters are just behind the Jays when you go one through five. It's close. Yeah. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is a hell of a young arm. And Kyle Bradish right now is the wild card. If he's healthy, they could be right in there. And then they got, I mean, oh, Jackson Holiday. They got, they have, they probably have the best young talent out of any team in the big leagues. Uh, we'll ask him that. Uh, that's coming up when we come back. Rock Kabatko, Baltimore Orioles beat reporter for MASN Sports. And our game of the day for St. Albert Dodge. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program as our tour around Major League Baseball spring training camps continue. And our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with over 147 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. Uh, that is a savings of up to $14,000. Check out stalbertdodge.com as we welcome in Rock Kubatko, Baltimore Orioles reporter for MASN Sports. Uh, Rock, welcome to Sports 14. 1440, thanks for hopping on this morning. Sure, guys. Hope everything's good there. Ah, well, we're really looking forward to the season to start. We've got about a little over four weeks away. And, of course, our focus up here in Canada, as you would think, uh, Rock, is the Toronto Blue Jays. But we're going to check into one of their, well, big-time rivals, you would say, when it comes to the AL East pennant, because the Orioles have put together one heck of a team. Uh, what do you make of uh, just the Orioles uh, just overall going in to this season uh, coming up here, Rock? Yeah, we haven't forgot about that 2016 wild card game. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Zach Britton not pitching. Yeah, they'll always talk about that years from now. But it's been a, quite a turnaround for the Orioles. Obviously, fans weren't that excited about the team for a while there during that, that rebuild period. It was painful, for sure. 115 losses are never fun, 110 losses, whatever. But, uh, you know, they certainly turned it around. They're probably a little ahead of schedule, though they never put a timeline on it. But they won 83 games two seasons ago when nobody thought they were going to sniff 500. 
Nobody thought they were going to win 101 and have the best record in American League this past year, and they did it. So I don't know what to do for an encore. They'd like to get much deeper in the playoffs than being swept in that division series by the Rangers. But, you know, they, they're not spending a lot of money. They're not known for that. But they made some moves, Corbin Burns being the big trade acquisition and signing Craig Kimball to close with Felix Bautista recovering from Tommy John. He's out for the year. And, they, and otherwise, they're just going to ride that wave of that young talent they have, the number one farm system in baseball. Uh, Jackson Holiday is the number one overall prospect. He could make the team out of spring training. He just turned 20 yeah. in December. So things are, are really looking up. But yet you, people still, you see some predictions, uh, win totals, whatever, and it seems like everybody still, the experts, expect some regression. I think the Yankees are more of a favorite now in that division. The Orioles are like, fine. No, everybody overlooked us the last two years. They could go ahead and do that again, and we'll just do our thing. Oh, no kidding. Uh, Rock Kubatko, our uh, guest on Sports 1440. That young talent, I guess, is, is led by Gunnar Henderson, who had a tremendous season last year. What do you think he does for an encore this year? Yeah, well, he, he, he's already Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I think he might be in the MVP discussion as long as he's healthy and just continues to be Gunnar Henderson. I mean, he's got all the tools. Uh, he plays gold glove defense, too. The problem, if you want to call it that, he splits his time between short and third. So those are two, I think, two smaller sample sizes to get that award. There is a utility one, but he's only playing those two positions. I believe whoever won it this past year played like six. So that could work against him as well. But everybody knows how valuable he is in everything he does. It's just toolsy across the mm-hmm. board. And you think of all the teams that everybody passed on him that first round. I believe it was like the 42nd picks. There were teams that passed on him. 41 selections, and nobody wanted Gunnar Henderson. And the Orioles were sweating it because they really did want him. He's looked at it as a little bit of a project. Coming out of it was a Selby, Alabama. But they knew all the tools were there, and he developed quickly. And again, maybe a little quicker than they thought. Uh, very mature approach. Great kid. It says sir and ma'am to everybody, even if somebody's like two years older than him, he's saying yes, ma'am, to him in the clubhouse. Oh I don't know if that's that southern upbringing or whatever, but uh, it, it's really it's it's fun to see. He's a good kid, but also just a, just a tremendous talent. And you know they can bat him lead off. They can put him more in the middle of the order. It's uh, it's really good. Rock Kabatko, Baltimore Baltimore oh Orioles uh, writer for uh, MASN Sports and uh, our game of the day for uh, St. Albert Dodge. Uh, would you agree, Rock, that when Adley Rutschman came up and started handling the pitching staff the way he does, it sort of turned everything around, his leadership uh, and everything that he does besides what he provides with the bat kind of turned the tides in Baltimore? It did, and we connect everything good to when Adley Rutschman arrived. They have not been swept in a series other than the division series since his arrival. That may just be coincidence, but it did turn everything around. And the the nicest thing you could say really about Adley, because you know how talented, again, he is too, as tools as he is, is he takes more pride in running a game and getting a starter deep into a start than than if he goes three for four or four for five. Mm -hmm. He takes more pride in seven scoreless innings out of that starter. So he, he, his first focus is his work behind the plate, which we already knew was going to be special. But then also, yes, you know, his power from, from both sides. And, you know, he, he, he handles the bat well. He's such a good hitter and very level-headed. He's not going to be the best coach you get. He's going to give you a lot of Bull Durham, yeah. cliched, I'm process-oriented. I'm, hmm. I, you know, I just want to win games and do my best. And he kind of gives you a little grin. He's not going to give you too much, but that's fine. But, uh, yeah, it just seems like when he arrived, 
fans were so excited anyways. A much-anticipated debut with the first overall pick in 19. And I think it made them feel like, all right, here we go. Like we went through the rebuild. We kept hearing about this talent pipeline and the difference it was going to make later. But now it's finally ready to happen. That's, that was about as anticipated a debut since maybe Matt Wieters, a first-round catcher back in the day. So, uh, And, you know, he certainly hasn't disappointed at this point. He's, every, he's everything is advertised. I know it's like, well, he was a 1-1. He was supposed to be good. But as you guys know, you don't always hit on a first overall draft pick. Mm-hmm. You don't hit on a lot of first-rounders. If you do any kind of a search on the Internet and look like first-round picks in and you just pick a year, there are a lot of guys you never even heard of because they didn't make it. And they could have gone with Bobby Wood Jr. instead of Rutschman. There was a lot of debate about where they should go there. You really can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. But this is a generational talent at catcher, a spot that they, they actually had a need as well. He was a top guy on their board, and it worked out well. They have no regrets. Rock, we're, speaking of uh, top prospects, and that is Jackson Holiday, and you did touch on him, where does he fit in defensively, and how does that allow the pieces, as you said, with Gunnar Henderson from short to third? And then you've also got Jordan Westberg, who has that ability to move around as well. How is that going to come into play here? Yeah, I mean, he's been working out, it seems like, almost exclusively at second base. Certainly all the starts he gets in these games is at second. Every time I look, he's taking ground balls there. Because they know he's already a very advanced, skilled shortstop. They want him getting more comfortable at second. They're not going to move him anywhere else. He's a middle infielder. So if he makes his club on opening day, we'll see. Because they just got Colton Long off of waivers. Mm-hmm. He's a left-handed hitting second baseman. And maybe that's a way to slow play the kid a little bit. But whenever he arrives... He's going to primarily be the second baseman. He could be in the lineup every day. But one of the things they love about the roster is how flexible it is, the versatility. Guys move around. Holiday could go from second to short. Gunner could go from short to third. Westberg could go from second to third. And, and then they've got utility-type guys like Ramon Urias and Jorge Mateo. That, that, you know, they've got him playing some center field here because they think maybe he could be a backup in center and left and you only have to carry four natural outfielders instead of five. So they like guys being able to move around. Ryan O'Hearn's first base, but yeah. they'll work him out in the corner outfield as well. Like they, they want a very versatile roster, and I'm old enough. I'm 60 now. Yeah. When I was an Oriole fan growing up, it was a set lineup every day. It was Brooks, <laughs> Robinson, Mark Belanger, Davey Johnson, Bobby Grish, Boog Powell, John Cooper, mm-hmm. Paul Blair, Frank Robinson. Like every day, maybe you had the Sunday lineup when you were a kid and that game was televised, you were disappointed. So it wasn't all the starters. But the game has changed and a lot of teams now are doing this where they want guys that are athletic and can play multiple positions. And that's why the Orioles have drafted a heavy up the middle of the field. You draft a shortstop, you figure he can play anywhere and you just start moving him around. Jordan Westberg's a shortstop mm-hmm. and he has not made a start as short in the majors. And he finally did spring training yesterday. They're, you know, he's playing second and third. I'm sure he'd love to play short, but they don't really need him to do that right now. Yeah, and then a few later uh, years later, Rock, after you mentioned all those great players, uh, you had a guy at short that might have played a game or two in a row, huh? <laughs> exactly. And he was, even when he moved, he was full-time short, full-time third base. Manny Machado, full-time third base, a so full-time short. They didn't bounce around in season. So even mm-hmm. then, it was like you found your spot and you stayed there. And at any given lineup, Brandon High writes out, there's going to be some differences with it where guys are, are going. And the same with the outfield, where Austin Hayes can go from left to center easily. Anthony Santander, right field, but they had him playing some first base last year. They just love moving guys around. Yeah. 
Uh, Rock Batku, uh, Baltimore Orioles uh, reporter for MAS and Sports, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, as far as the pitching staff uh, goes, Rock, where are they at? Where's Kyle Bradish at? Uh, had such a fantastic season last year, a uh, little bit of an injury to start spring training. Uh, how close is he to being where the Orioles need him to be? Yeah, that was a bit of a gut punch. Everybody was so thrilled with the Corbin Burns acquisition. Thinking, well, Bradish, who was fourth in Cy Young vote, he can now slot to number two. And he's obviously, he became the staff ace, has a stuff, but not being forced into that role. We saw what a difference it made in that division series. And the Rangers were able to bring out Montgomery, Evaldi, guys like that. And the Orioles still had guys that were young, get have postseason experience. And then we find out that Bradish in January is diagnosed with a sprain in his UCL and his right elbow. And you guys know, too, when you hear sprain in UCL, there is panic because it sounds like Tommy John. He got a PRP injection, and those are kind of hit and risk as far as, you know, whether that's going to work or not. But so far, so good. I mean, he's, he's long tossing, and they've extended him to 90 feet. And last time I watched him a few days ago, he was throwing with a lot of intensity. It wasn't just lobbing the ball. But it's going to be a ways. Obviously, he's, he's heading to the IL, and they're not, certainly not going to try and rush him back. But – you know, each day it's going to be how's he feel. And now he's extended a little more. When's he going to be ready to maybe face hitters? And you feel bad having to approach his locker pretty much every other day to ask him how his elbow feels and what yeah. his schedule is. But there's just no way to project when he might be ready. And at any day you kind of have your, you know, you're kind of braced for the possibility of some bad news that there was a setback or that he was shut down. But they are desperately hoping they can avoid surgery. Oh, that's the key for sure. And he had t- such a great year uh, last year. Also last year, Grayson Rodriguez, when he started the year, he had his problems. But that's just a, a young pitcher trying to find his way. When he went down, uh, what, do you, what did you see when he came back up? Because he had some dominant games when he returned to the, to the roster. He did. And that's when you really realize the Orioles looked at themselves as contenders. In the past years, you would have said, look, this kid doesn't really have much more to prove or anything in AAA. Let's just go ahead and we'll go through the growing pains early. But those April games meant so much to them as much as any other month that when he struggled badly with his command in spring training, they're like, well, we can't afford to send him out there every five days or six days, have him get his brains bashed in, and we're losing games and losing ground in the standings. So I'm like, okay, they really are a contender this year. But they got him right back up. There was an injury to Bradish, and he came right up and had to get sent down again for another, but it was more extended reset. But you're right. When he came back and what he did in that second half, where he just his mechanics were better, he, I think he needed a, a confidence boost. You know, guys like that, another first-round pick, they, they don't experience failure in high school or ones that go to college and they dominate and you dominate in the minors. Then when you struggle a little bit in the majors, you might start questioning yourself. And he just became more aggressive with his fastball, and the secondary stuff sharpened. He attacked hitters more. Mm-hmm. And now he definitely is the guy they envision as having, you know, number one starter stuff. But, you know, he was supposed to slot third before Bradish's injury. Now, you know, maybe he's, he's the number two behind Burns, and that's absolutely fine. They got John Means. He's going to start the year in the IL because he's a month behind other pitchers. Not hurt, but he had that sore elbow in October. Couldn't pitch in the division series. He fell behind because they, they – delayed his uh, throwing program in the offseason. So they're hoping he's back in April. But in the meantime, you don't have him either. But maybe he slots in four, something like that, third or fourth. But, yeah, Rodriguez, they like to think that they now have two number one starters Mm -hmm. while Bradish is out and Burns and Rodriguez. 
Rock Kubatko with us on Sports 1440. That was a big, big blow when uh, Felix Bautista went down. And uh, again, as you mentioned, the Orioles bring in a, a really, really veteran guy in Craig Kimbrell. Uh, is there any chance Bautista could be ready by the end of this season, or is he just a one-year-and-done, he's gone until uh, 2025? Yeah, he's not going to pitch this year. Now, if you ask him, and he said it when uh, we interviewed him, a couple of us at the opening of their new Dominican Republic Academy, and we ask him again here. He's like, hey, if I'm feeling good and they need me late this season, I'll be ready to pitch. Wow. You ask Brandon Hyde. He goes, well, we're going to miss him in 2024, <laughs> but we look forward to seeing him in 2025. They are not bringing him back that quickly from an October Tommy John procedure. So, they're, you know, so far he feels good, but, you know, it's going to be a while before you really start testing that elbow. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll, be, he'll take off for this year, and they'll see what Kimbrell does. They have an option on his contract. They feel like getting a future Hall of Famer and as quickly as they did, they usually don't make a big move at the winter meetings. They take a Rule 5 pick or two, and I, that's it. I go home and think I spent all those days at the winter meetings for this. This was, this was unusual for them. This was a, a big sign and a guy they targeted right away. They think there's still plenty in the tank. They think he can be a veteran leader in that bullpen, which has been lacking. Yeah. It's been, you know, Batista and Cano and some other guys that don't really have track records in the majors. This guy is going to be somebody, a veteran now, that's going to be able to help mentor as well. And he's got all that postseason big game experience. And so they think there's enough there to tank. And then we'll see what happens after this year, whether they would want to pick up the option or not. But I'd say he's a pretty good replacement for, for Bautista. Did uh, Yenier Cano surprise you at all with uh, how he contributed to the team last year? He uh, stunned me. <laughs> Honestly, I spent, this is why I'm not an executive. I spent the offseason saying, why is this guy still on the 40-man? Mm. Because he did not impress in a brief trial with the Orioles or in the minors or when he'd been up with the Twins because he just walked too many guys. And I'm like, you know, how, how, why in the world are they still keeping him when they needed spots and they were letting other guys go? And what did they see in him? So they saw plenty. And again, it's another guy they really trust their pitching program and all the analytics and the data that's available. Mm-hmm. They worked with him. And suddenly he became an all-star setup man who can close – but I think it was smart of them to not count on him to be a full-time closer this year. They could have done that. So go out and get Kimbrell, make him a dominant setup type guy who can be the backup closer when Kimbrell's not available or if he starts struggling or something. But mm-hmm. Yenier Cano is one of the biggest surprises. And, you know, just a guy that can force you to beat the ball into the ground and uh, very confident. And, and he cut down on the walks. He improved his command. It's a real credit to the work that the Orioles did with them. Yeah. Uh, one last one for you, Rock. How would you say when they changed the configuration of OPCY and left field there with the fence, uh, how do you think that went over with fans, uh, with players, et cetera, and what about it moving forward here? Pitchers loved it. Hitters <laughs> wish it would move forward because they hate it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of guys, a lot of right-handed hitters get frustrated. J.J. Hardy is here as a camp instructor, and he jokes, they never would have given me an extension on my contract if that wall was pushed back. I never would have hit a home run. <laughs> and I know how much it frustrated Trey Mancini. He still frustrates Ryan Mountcastle. But pitchers love it. It's going to help them in recruiting pitchers to come to Baltimore because it was just such a bandbox. Lazy fly balls were clearing the fence and going in the first row. And they were just trying to level the playing field. They didn't want to create a huge advantage for their pitchers, but they, they, just, they wanted to, as I said, just kind of make it fair all around. And, you know, I think some fans weren't thrilled with the, initially at least the configuration because you've got that 
you know, 90-degree angle in the bullpen area, and they kind of preferred the more traditional look. So I think they grew to get used to it. And to have Austin Hayes playing left field is, you know, gold glove finalist and certainly plays that left field as well as anybody. And, again, I think you'd rather have it where you're not losing games 10-9 to and giving up four or five uh, cheap home runs a game. So I think it was a smart move. We'll see if they leave it exactly there, if they try maybe in future years bump it up just a little bit because it is pretty extreme. But, again, the pitchers love it. And it helps a couple of guys, you know, Rutschman and Santander being switch hit bats. How much do you think it'll help Jackson Holiday moving forward? Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to hit from the left side. He can just avoid yeah. that side <laughs> that side of the field if he wants because you're not going to see a lot of opposite field shots. you got to really lay into one, but I've seen plenty of balls clear easily. So if you get a hold of one, you have power. Mm-hmm. You will hit a home run to left field. You just have to earn it now. Uh, hey, thanks so much for this. Enjoy. Uh, I guess we're just uh, we're getting close to uh, first pitch, uh, Orioles and uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, enjoy the game uh, today, uh, Rock. Really appreciate your time, and uh, season's right around the corner. We're all fired up for it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, that's uh, Rock Kubatko, Baltimore Orioles reporter for MASN Sports. And our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. With an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating, head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge and see how easy it is to do business with the great people at stalbertdodge.com. Had a texture a little while ago, Duke. Hey, and said, hey, that, is that Brad McCrory on the commercial there? Is that Brad McCrory? Is that the guy that used to play for the uh, Fort Sastraders? Yeah. Yeah. The one and only all-time yeah. leader in PIMS. Well, there's been a discrepancy on the PIMS. There's a couple uh, texters that said, I don't know if, if those PIMS are right. So uh, we'll have to have a little chat with uh, Brad, see exactly where those PIMS are. Um, tons, tons, exactly. So uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up with the Duke. Uh, a lot of texts coming in. Uh, 1-833-401-1440. Get them in if you want them in. By the top of the hour. Uh, we're back to wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Ah, welcome back to the big program. Connor Halley just made an entrance into the uh, Sports 1440 studios. Wonder if he brought his scuba gear in. It's probably cleaned up a little bit by, by now, but yeah, we had a little bit of a leak earlier in the morning, eh, Duke? Came yeah, in. I, I don't know. Uh, all, all I came at is saw uh, <laughs> Troy, one of the engineers here, uh, who is usually not here at that time of the morning no um you know on call of course but he, he just seen him uh dumping the shop vac down the one drain and said yeah flood <laughs> flood and so uh my uh, my thanks to to troy and uh, whomever else was involved in getting that cleaned mm-hmm. up probably still an active process uh while we sitting here and you know sucking the fumes press some buttons yeah. and gab away and i had a little bit of a i honestly i did i don't know if maybe it's the javax chlorex bleach whatever i don't know industrial grade i'm i'm very familiar uh with industrial grade bleach use it a lot at the uh, at the farm in the so dairy, you, in the dairy barn when you were saying that earlier so what do you you're cleaning what yeah were you so, cleaning? so every every so in a in a milking system and yeah. there's different variations but they're all virtually you know the same same strain so as soon as you're done um the the mil- like done milking for the day the morning the night whatever you you run through a rinse kind of rinse the line then you put through it's like this industrial grade soap that only activates when the water's at like fifty five degrees Celsius so hot water obviously mm-hmm. um and and then that'll run through for a few minutes you between that then you run through an acid an acid rinse to to kind of help because uh, the soap is incredibly basic so you run through uh-huh. a, a mixed acid to neutralize and then right bef- so then then you wrap up before you start your next milking like within 10 50 minutes of kicking things off you run a bleach 
uh, a bleach mm. line through. And so a lot of a lot of chemicals in there are very potent and powerful. You don't want to be uh, spilling them on your skin. It's not like melting your hand off, but it burns. And what, and, what kind of uh, like suit are you wearing? Are you looking like one of those guys on the deck of the deadliest catch or what? Well, no. If uh, if Alberta Milk was asking, I've got my goggles and my respirator on and my apron and my rubber gloves. In a reality, it's uh, usually in the middle of trying to do a million other things. Shorts. Putting, putting the wa- <laughs> no, I'm not, a, I'm not a shorts guy. But um, I, I will sometimes have my gloves on, like my regular, just like uh-huh. my my leather gloves that I'm out doing chores with. Um, but, and the thing is most systems now you can set it up. It's automatic. Like it's, as soon as you press the button, it slurps like with a, with a vacuum thing, the amount of chemical you need out of each respective um, big drum. But we, we have a system like that, but it's, it, the calibration sometimes gets out of whack. So then you just end up measuring it by hand anyway, to make mm-hmm. sure it gets done properly. So that's where the risk of maybe spilling a little bit on yourself uh, comes into play. Well, we had a we've had quite a few texts because we had we were talking about Leonard Skinnerd and uh, someone was texting in earlier. It's not Leonard, it's Leonard. And then we had another couple guys saying it's Leonard. So I've always just known it as Leonard Skinnerd. And, yeah, Leonard, uh, Leonard Skinner. Yes, and uh, Gord Oil said there's so many good songs. Free Bird, Sweet Home Alabama, Simple Man. Any two of those three, and you win. We're gonna play some tomorrow. And I send one back to Gord Oil, and I go, "Give me three steps," and he goes, "Not sure what you mean." And I go, well, that's that's the name of one of the songs, one of the best songs that Leonard Skinner ever did. And that's like the lyric, the uh, the start of the song. It goes, uh, I was cutting the rug down at a place called the Jug with a girl named Linda Lou. You know, you can't beat lyrics like that. That's uh, that's one of the best. I hope we can get three steps tomorrow, Duke. That's my if request. That, that's your request? All right. That's my request. Three Con- steps. Consider it done. They got to have it next door at, uh, with Evans and like Panotsky. The, the odd time when a song is not in the system, then mm-hmm. I do have ways around that, of course. But uh, for the sake of simplicity, I usually keep it keep it in-house. Yes. What we got in the in this big magical computer beside me. But we got other ways of, uh, of crossing those bridges. Uh, should mention that the Montanas, the Montanas Briar... Starts tomorrow in Regina. That's weird to say that, isn't it? It is. So for you, but I'm I, sure we felt the same when it switched from the uh, Labatt, the Labatt to. Okay, but well, for was, you, it's always been known as the Tim Hortons Briar, right? My my first memories is the uh, Nokia Briar. Oh, that's right, Nokia. That was after Labatt, I guess. I believe so. Yeah, and then was it from Nokia to Tim Hortons, or I, was I, there one in between there? I'm too? not sure. All I know, it. it was a sad day when it was not the Labatt Briar anymore. Back in the day, Duke, when reporters from across Canada would go to cover the briar, and let me tell you, they went in droves because the Labatt Briar, by far, was the best sporting event a reporter could cover. I bet. Not even close because of, let's just say, for instance, if you're going to cover uh, an event, even right now, reporters say they'll go to the Stanley Cup final. They'll go to the whatever, call it whatever event you're talking about. You're working like crazy amount. Yeah. You are filing, then you're doing so many other things. You're doing, think about the hits and everything. Like, so like a guy like Frank or Speck, they go to these, let's go to the Stanley Cup final. They're nonstop. They're going 12 hours a day. Well, the Labatt Briar. A little bit more of a laid back <sighs> atmosphere. So three draws a day. Um, Back in the media room at the Labatt Briar, there was a wall probably the size of this studio with Labatt products for the media and volunteers and things like that. Plus the biggest buffet line you could have 
So you would go in and you'd have your breakfast. You'd have uh, a clam eye if you wanted beer and clamato. Then you'd start your day. You'd go cover the Labatt Briar. They had a thing back in back in um, the eighties and nineties, Duke, where it was called the Century Club. Did I ever tell you about that or not? No. So the Century Club covering the Labatt Briar was for media. And, of course, so the briar would always start. It usually started on Saturday. Now it starts on Friday night. So it would start on Saturday, and it would run to the following Sunday. So nine full days, nine days of reporting and partying. If you could drink 100 beer as a reporter covering the Labatt briar in that course of the nine days, you got a little kind of a pat on the back and said, welcome to the Century Club. How many uh, how many pins did you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, like each it's like when you participate in the Scotties, about you get that pin and you can kind of wear them uh, on yeah, your coach you wear years it with forward. pride. Yeah, and so each each year, you know, I mean, Jennifer Jones can't yeah. wear them all because they're way too many. But uh, <laughs> the Century Club, you get a pin for each year you complete it. You'd probably be in the same ca- same category, same class as uh, old Jen Jones. <laughs> So, 18 straight years. I remember, uh, so in the 90s, uh, my first briar that I covered was in Regina. And uh, just think, here we go. Now we're 32 years later, it's in Regina again. But uh, I think it was around Thursday night uh, that I got into the Century Club. So I had still Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to, uh, I guess, work on the total, Duke, if you want to call it that. Uh, text coming in. Yeah. Hey, everybody's on three steps. Uh, Alfred's going, he's got the, uh, the lyrics. Yeah. Um, you with the yellow hair, give me the three steps. That's a good, good tune. Uh, B even goes, when in walked a man with a gun in his hand and he was looking for, you know, who, yep. Huh. 1-833-401-1440. So, uh, Oilers with an off day today after a, 3-2 overtime victory last night against St. Louis. Oilers will have three games in hand after tonight on the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights are in Toronto to take on... Uh, sorry, the Knights are, pardon me, in Boston uh, after going into Toronto. The Knights are in Boston to take on the Bruins tonight. How about the Bruins? So they come out here, they play all the overtime games, got to fly all the way back and take on Vegas. First game back, yikes. Uh, so the Bruins will take on Vegas tonight. 72 points for the Oilers, one back of Vegas with what will be three games in hand tomorrow. What a slate of games tonight. So Vegas in Boston, Winnipeg is in Dallas, Minnesota's in Nashville, and the Kings are in Vancouver. The only thing that we can say for sure, for sure, when you look at the NHL standings, in six weeks' time, when the playoffs start, there, after the first round, there will be three outstanding teams, maybe four, that are gone in the first round. Three for sure. That's pretty fair to say. Three for sure, because you're going to have, let's just say it's Boston and Toronto in the first round, or Florida and Toronto. That's one team that is gone. Gone. Say it's Dallas and Colorado in the first round. Say the Jets win the Central. Any any combination of Jets, Stars, Avalanche. Anything. One of those teams is gone for sure. Dallas or Colorado. Let's say they start today, and it's Dallas and Colorado. One of those teams is gone. In the Pacific, Vegas and the Oilers, the defending Stanley Cup champions, if it's starting today, one of those teams is gone. Like, that's crazy. That first round is just a Texas death match. We never even got to the Metropolitan, who some feel that is the deepest division. 
although the cream is rising to the top with the New York Rangers. First round is going to be bananas. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Duke, you got to read this text about Woody in the fail or whatever that is. Come on. Oh, well, yeah, just uh, what in the fail, uh, regular text for the program. Um, uh-huh. He just texted and asking what was like the, the farm, the farm's name. So, and he's, uh, he works at a dairy supply company uh, down in uh-huh. kind of central uh, Alberta there. So I just filled him in, said, yeah, like uh, this is Douglas Farms, sold the, sold the quota this past fall. I, I, I'll be honest, like I still can't really get used to not, not milking when I'm home on the weekends <laughs> and stuff. Because uh, like we still run well, through, yeah. like when, when we're, when we're ca- like we're still calving out heifers and stuff. So we'll run, run them through until we get them uh, shipped off to, uh, to their new homes and stuff. But, and then he just followed up with, uh, with Jim Douglas question mark. Yeah, that's my grandpa who is... A bit of a like I, I I don't like to use this term lightly, but I think it's very accurate. He's kind of a local he's, legend. He's in, a legend in, in the Alberta. Far- I mean, he's yeah. he's ninety wow, seven really? years old. He's ninety seven. Yeah, and he was still like still driving himself around up like up as recently as a couple of years ago. Wow. He lives at the farm. Um, he's uh, old Jimmy is what it what really? he, what he's known by around the community and like the the country radio station in Red Deer. Yeah, he like calls in. I, I don't think he does as much anymore, but because really? his favorite host isn't on the afternoons anymore. But he would call in. He should have be a calling chat, in here. Have a chat with her every day. I, he listens uh, as regularly yeah. as he can. So, um, well, yeah, shout uh, out to sh- Jimmy. Then. Shout out to old Jimmy, uh, my grandpa, a great uh, a great guy. I don't imagine too many people, yourself, your dad, everyone around included, uh, don't go to him too often for some words of advice and wisdom. Wow. Oh yeah. Holy oh smokes. yeah. He's he's obviously a lifetime of stories from it. Like I said, that's a that's a long time to see a lot of stuff. The, the, his favorite thing to do though, when we'd have um like our, our summer brandings, right? Because we had the beef farm as well, mm-hmm. so we wrang, wrangle up all the critters and uh, cut out the calves. We we like to drag like rope them and drag them North Fork, and it, then afterwards the big meal, the big barbecue up in the backyard of a uh, granny and grandpa's house. Yeah. He'd bring out the bottle of scotch, <sighs> get it uh, get it passing around, and all the all our rope, all our ropers and cowboys and helpers that come. It was kind of just the tradition that you had to have a, a pull out of the scotch bottle before you could leave uh, a branding at, at the Douglas wow. residence. So my kind of guy. Uh, shout out to old Jimmy this morning. Might, oh, look at this. Even uh, Gordoyle says, my vote is for old Jimmy as a guest. Wow. Uh, we have a hard enough time keeping a laddie under control in here. Uh, <laughs> be a much harder, much harder time uh, with my grandpa who, uh, yeah, 90, 97. I picture, I'm picturing uh, a guy like from, um, uh, with George Strait, uh, pure country, you know? <laughs> Yeah, sitting at the, you know, and just having those, you know, what, what, yeah, you know that white speck on the pump panel that is hen, chicken, hen uh, crap. Well, yeah. that's you, or what, you know what I mean? <laughs> Something like that. Hey, what a show, man! Thanks to all our guests, we had uh, a rock solid lineup today. Jerry Matajong, PostMediaNHL.com, led things off. Always tough to find that seven twenty slot, but Jerry said last night, "Yeah, let's do it." Ladislav Schmid, our co-host, every Thursday from uh, eight to ten. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli doesn't get any better in uh, the hockey insiders uh, than Mark and Frank. Uh, Devin Dubnik, a former teammate of Laddie's, uh, joined us from New York where he's doing some work with the NHL Network. John Scott, Dropping the Gloves podcast. And then uh, Rock Kubatko from the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he reports for MASN Sports. Uh, we are back here tomorrow to wrap the week up. We'll have Eddie Steele out from 7 to 11. Lots to talk about with Eddie, uh, football-wise, moving forward. A little bit of the downtime in the offseason, but that's where all the great stories are. So Eddie will join us tomorrow from 7 to 9. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with the former... 
Rush at T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Dalburn at... Uh, 12 o'clock, it'll be the lowdown with Alan Mitchell, and then Jason Greger drives us home with the Jason Greger show from 2 till 6. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate all your um, texts that came in, tons of great comments, and uh, thanks for following the show and being a part of it. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. Uh, uh, coming up next, it is the Fantasy Frenzy, Fren- Frenzy show with the Duke and Connor. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 7. Up next is uh, Sports Update with the Duke. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Bye for now.